You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. MWWire.com is our website. Uh, myself, Jeremy, and Matt hanging out here as I just watched a all, literal hook and ladder, lateral on the Packers-Lions game. Not quite a Boise State big-time play, but I'm watching this game as the Lions will. Oh, Matt, Matt, I so said tears for Aaron Rodgers losing and not making the playoffs, so I'm cool with that. As, yeah. That means we're recording Sunday night on NBC, watching NBC here. But this go. is uh, our... Our first watching football, but the sad part is Matt Mountainless football is over essentially for the uh, postseason. Yeah, so we got about two hundred o- some odd days between now and, and the next kickoff. So, uh, well, lots to talk about between now and then, though. I think. Oh, we're not going anywhere. We are here. I should make a note because people have asked about this um, basketball podcast. Uh, I know the Mountain West is doing quite well, but there's a certain time restrict constraint between me and others for doing basketball. So. Apologies for not enough basketball podcasting for you guys. So I want to bring that up here. Despite the league being amazing and we're doing some good stuff on the website, I got to do stuff. I got other things going on. That's tough. But I just want to let people know we're not ignoring basketball. It's just a time thing. That's all. But yeah, I want a four-bid Mountain West team. That's what we're looking for, right? Exactly. And your Fresno State Bulldogs uh, gave Lobos their first loss of the year. So congrats for ruining their season, Matt. Yeah, in in front of like 500 people. Sounds about right. Oh, attendance. I got attendance tweet we can get to for football. And we'll start there with UNLV football, who 
Uh, Matt, do you recall when Bobby Petrino got hired at UNLV? We're both skeptical of a long-term solution for his team or for being on this team. Well, uh, you know, we talked at length about his track record of, uh, for lack of a better term, bailing Oppor- on, on uh, multiple you don't jobs. Want to say, wait, wait, you don't want to be positive, say opportunistic? <laughs> no, we don't. Well, okay. Yeah. Depending on, depending on how you choose to frame it. You know, it was something that we were we were both definitely on the same page about the fact that, you know, maybe it would take, uh, you know, a year or two. But if he's given his track record that he seemed like the kind of guy who would be on the lookout for the next job opportunity. And as it happens, uh, (laughs) we did not expect that that timeline would be compressed uh, within the over the course of a month, if, if that yeah, and then Mark Anderson of the I get well no he now is the AP writer for Las Vegas area. I joked on Twitter even to get to get an apartment or unpack. He's like, dude, he's probably recruiting. Never even stepped foot in Nevada. <laughs> There's a good yeah. chance he never even went to Las Vegas. So we felt, and I felt like it was a a bold hire because our assumption was that he might stay a couple of years if, they, if things go well. He could either a take over UNLV because that would mean Barry Odom got a better job. Or he left for another high-profile OC or head coaching job. And if it's a two-year thing, that'd been great. He helped UNLV, UNLV get better, right? Yeah. But, of course, he goes to Texas A&M, which – have you um looked at their staff, their, their coaching staff, Matt, of Texas A&M football? It's a, kind of a rogues gallery at this point, isn't it, between him oh. and uh, Jimbo Fisher and DJ Durkin and, and all that? And our good old buddy Steve Adazio is still on staff. Is he still there? Offensive line coach, yeah. Oh no, no wonder they fell apart this year. No, their offense like they bring in a bunch of who who who's who's of scumbags, right? Is, am I correct? DJ Durkin's a former Maryland coach who got run out. Yeah, he's the of, he's the guy who yeah. who had a player die under his watch. Yes. Oh, and he, and he's still coaching. Good for him. Ugh, that's no. correct. Oh my god, that's, that's that that's that oil bit. money for you there. That's right. So Godfrey says if the oil goes up, gas prices high, things are good in Texas football in the state there. Uh so they lose Petrino. Um, does it really matter that he's gone? Do you think, like, I know there's no impact he's had at the moment, but do you think it's a, for how quickly they made the new hire, which we'll get to in a second, do you think there's any concern or, oh, crap, or anything about the, for within the Rebel program about losing this type of guy for what he might Probably not. potentially could have done? Okay, Probably not, because, you know, as as we'll talk about, you know, with not only with uh, the guy that they will be replacing uh, Petrino with, but, you know, the other coordinator hire that they also made recently, more on that in a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I think part of what made the Barry Odom hire so attractive in the first place is that, you know, because he's been around in 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 been a part of the, the you know, the toughest conference in college football, the SEC that he is well-connected. Yeah, that makes sense for where he's been in NFL and SEC and the big, in the, uh, I guess, SEC, Missouri. Yeah. Both play times. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so I think the fact that they were able to, to make that initial hire in the first place, and, and I, and I'll just sort of reiterate what I mentioned when we talked about the Petrino hire to begin with, you know, it signals an investment that like UNLV is serious about turning the corner for good. And so despite the fact that, you know, that hire obviously didn't work out because now he's at College Station, that I, I don't think that that dissuaded anybody in the in the athletic department from saying, okay, well, 
that sucked, but we're going to move on and we're going to find someone else who's really good to, to fill his shoes. Because I think what you're starting to see in, in both of the coordinator hires that we'll talk about in a minute is that UNLV would position itself as that kind of springboard program, you know, not only, not only for itself, but as, as sort of like a, a staging ground for coaches who are, you know, for, I guess, to put it succinctly, that they're on the rise. I would hope so. That's the start of it because it's getting, because they mentioned they're going after like, they wanted to go after every star coach they could find because yeah. there's reports to bonk to like Coach O, Ogeron and stuff like that. I'm like, uh, that seems unlikely. But like we mentioned, if you go back and listen to when we first hired Odom, I grew on the hire. It's like, it's not the super flashy hire. But he's done good things of where he's gone. Like Arkansas wasn't good defensively, got them better. He did stuff in Missouri. He's done good things around. And he's been coaching. And I said to Falcons, I was referring to I made a mistake there, Petrino. Obviously, Falcons on Odom there. But he, him knowing enough of players within the league and the SEC and other coaching air coaches, actually, coaching jobs he's had since, he's going to be a steady coach. And like, who knows how long he'll be there? But what is Odom's age? Do we ever look into that? Are we familiar? Uh, you know what? Age. I don't have that in front of me. But, I think he's in his 40s. If I'm not, he's 46 years old. Oh, that's it. Okay, so there's a potential amount to go higher, which, which is fine and whatnot. But it's a good move for a guy who's still his age range for a college football coach to be around for a minute, whether it's UNLV or not. But he, this would be his second head coaching stint. Obviously, SEC want to go back. He's taking a path where okay, I'll go be head coach at a group of five, then go up because sometimes you'll see some coaches don't necessarily make the moves they make are different. Whereas mm-hmm. they may go from, I'm saying SEC, like look at, um, who was it? Dave Aranda forever. Like I know he was at Utah state a long time ago, but like when he's at LSU, he's like, he could pick where we want to go. He wasn't just yeah. going to take a random job. Like he wasn't going to go back to say Utah state. They couldn't afford him, but he's been around. And then now he's obviously doing great things at Baylor. He wasn't going to just go to a group of five job and then move on. Well, maybe Odom, sometimes you got to reset your expectations or career. And it's a good move for what he has experienced there. But let's talk about the name. Matt, do you know how many times I've mentioned this guy's name to be a coach in the conference? And every time you're like, no, he's not coming to the conference. He's not doing this. I get my dream of Brendan Marion coming back to the Mountain West. Finally. There you go. After all after all the no's, I got a yes. to you. I will, I will give it up. I will tip my proverbial cap to you. I'm just saying, like, when I mentioned to you, it's like, be head coach here, OC here. You're like, no, it's not going to happen. But he was a it's, Texas okay. wide receiver. Coach. Okay, I would like to remind <laughs> our listening audience that the main reason I didn't think that that was going to happen is because fair. he's coming from Texas, where he was the wide receivers coach, and I sort of assumed that you know his ascension to an offensive coordinator type role might take him from one Power Five job to another. Potentially, but. but this is a slam dunk hire for the Rebels, I think. I totally agree. And the only reason I think he made like not to stay because I know with Sarkeesian, they're bringing Arch Manning. There could either be really good with him or Quinn Ewers at quarterback, speaking of UT Austin there, that maybe they'll improve upon. They were better this year. They beat, they had the close game Alabama. They improved throughout the year. They weren't a dumpster fire. They weren't great in a big 12, but they're above average. They're pretty good. But then they're going to the SEC. So it's like there's also in a couple of years, who knows if it's 24, 25. So there's that stuff to consider as well. And what if the offense struggles under if you do put in the true freshman or whatever? I think this is a good move if he wants to advance his career to be a head coach sooner than later. But it's also like I'm trying to think of who made the similar moves here. 
Um, there was well, that's kind of there's a Utah coach Brian Johnson out the Eagles. He bounced around Florida OC. Is it Houston? Did a couple yeah, of things. Former Utah coaches. Right? Yeah, yeah, correct. He's with the Eagles now, doing some good stuff with Jalen Hurts. Like he kind of had a bounce around a little bit. Not the because Marion's gone from Howard, his Hawaii pit as well as wide receivers coach. But I think part of it too. This is his first chance to be an OC at the FBS level because last time. Remember, he's part of the Howard upset of UNLV That's with right. Amari Rogers. Where had they won that game, UNLV, there could be a literal different descent or conversation about Rebel football because he had gone to a bowl game that year a couple of years ago under um, Tony Sanchez. Well, and, and, and also, don't forget, too, he was also the wide receivers coach under Todd Graham at Hawaii a couple of years ago as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with Pitt, it, and it's with, um, probably not a Madison. coincidence. Like it's probably not a coincidence that the Rebels saw what Marion has been able to do with offenses over the past handful of years. Like you mentioned, you know the big upset uh, against Howard. What was it back in 2017? I believe it was. It's a couple years ago, yeah. But you know when Marion was at Hawaii, you know that was the year where Calvin Turner Jr. averaged over 130 all-purpose yards per game. You had 10 touchdowns in the COVID season and. You know, when you focus on what the Hawaii offense was able to do against against UNLV that year, that was one of their better overall offensive performances of that particular season. Well, and he also coached Jordan Addison, Blitnikoff winner right. in Pittsburgh 2021. Like, Texas gives no slouch. And he was technically a passing game coordinator, too. But he's a guy who he's been at, um, like, Howard O.C., William and Mary's a pretty decent SCS program. Like he's been around, like he's finally getting his chance to run an offense. I think this would have been more appealing to do it now than later. I mean, like I get waiting for a better job, but sometimes you're a coach, like you can't turn down your first head coaching gig. It's kind of hard to, unless you're again, Dave Aranda type, or if you were Will Muschamp yeah. when he was at Texas was going to take over for, um, what's his name? Mac Brown years ago. He <laughs> wants to improve his career. And he's done well everywhere he's gone. And go read the – if you just search for the win and go-go offense, they did a pretty good article a couple years ago. Go read that. It's very creative. It's very unique. And that's why Calvin – again, we mentioned Calvin in Hawaii, Turner Jr., not Tyler Jr., Aggie guy, Turner Jr., doing things, getting the ball a million different ways. So imagine like what – I know UNLV lost Aiden Robbins to a BYU. They lose Kyle Williams to Washington State. They do lose some talent, but for B – here's what – like we mentioned, Matt, New Mexico, what they need to do offensively, be creative, go back to maybe what they did when they had was a DeBose there from same Houston State that came to Mexico a couple of years, a while back, where they ran mm-hmm. that unique option, pistol, diamond, whatever random formation you want. This is like in that vein, like, okay, we don't have the best talent. Clearly at the moment, Rebels do not. There's no slide on them. That's facts, what they have. They're close from like Doug, Doug Brumfield and things and those nature, but getting a creative offense that's, teams don't really see that often defensively can go a long way to mask a little bit of that talent that you may, deficiency you may have, which is why triple option five wide run and shoot can catch teams off guards and keep teams close. Like air force can go into Oklahoma and nearly upset the Sooners like they've done in the past or going up against bigger, better programs, but they're always in within striking distance of really good teams. Like all the academies can do that, but at least part of the time, Air Force is a bit better lately, but that's an area where being a unique offensive skill set that could be the next revolution in college football will help turn the tide and maybe Rebels be better than maybe they're overachieve a bit, at least until talent um, kind of equals out to what their scheme is. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Like, this is huge, right? This is big. This is probably the best hire. I think this might be, I know I'm biased, but I think this could be the best hire of any mountain of the cycle at the moment, current of the cycle. 
Better than he had. Well, coach, I, mean, give, better given, than... I mean, given what we've seen from his offenses elsewhere in the Mountain West, it's if you're a Rebels fan, it's it's very easy to get excited about what he might be I able told... to do with you know Doug Brumfield under center. Yeah, they told you New Mexico should do it, and they didn't do it. And you know, he's a better job. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the I'm sure the Lobos are feeling just fine with Brian Vincent, though. I know. I, I'm just saying. No, the, no, that's a really good move too. Like that's, well, oh, man, that's hard. That's a good hire too. Maybe I'm more excited about the potential with what Brennan, what he can bring to town. Marion can bring to town. Vincent, okay, he might be the best one because the cover of UAB interim coach. Okay, I, I'll concede to Lobos on there. Thank you for correcting me. But I think I'm more excited about what we've seen from Marion because it's just exciting offense. You go read and watch highlights he's done. It's like go football scoop has a good thing with a couple. They have a play on here in the Howard game. There's right formation. He does. It's, it's amazing what he can do. And we'll see if the other teams copy and catch on. Here's the reason I'm glad I love Pitt because remember Narduzzi's crapping on his coaches when they had Kenny Pickett and Addison. Like, what are you doing coach? You got the best combination of pass catcher in the country and you're wanting to run the ball when you're up four touchdowns, just sling it, do what you want to do, man. So I'm glad he got out of Pitt. He goes to Texas. Okay. Whatever. They're getting on the uprise, but man, I'm, I'm pumped for what this could be rebel football. I'm very excited about this. But I would also caution you not to let your excitement obscure that the rebels also made Stop a it. really interesting no. defensive coordinator hire, though. That's fine. Okay, what about what do we mean, know about this guy? I'm kidding. Go so ahead. So <laughs> Mike Shear. Yes. Who is he? Comes from Arkansas, where coincidentally enough, he, he taught, coached with you know Barry Odom. Um, also, I believe played under. Odom as a linebacker at Mizzou uh, about a decade ago. Um, and it's sort of surprising, but like he, he obviously he's not as familiar to probably the average Mountain West fan as someone like Marion, uh, who you know comes into the position with a track record within the conference. But you know, Shearer is like 29 years old, which you know, I'm trying to wrap yeah. my head around that for Yikes. a minute. Boy, boy. But he's been able to accomplish quite a bit in a really short amount of time as a coach. You know, he was you know the linebackers coach for the Razorbacks the last couple of years. You know, stepped up for a time as the in- interim defensive coordinator. And what he had been able to do in Fayetteville was pretty impressive. You know, they had a first team All American this year when uh, Drew Sanders, who might be a first round pick, was uh, also a Buckus Award finalist. Um, you know, you may you may know the name Bumper Poole, you know, who has been an all SEC linebacker. Um, Grant Morgan last year won the Worth Trophy, I believe. That's the uh, the award for the nation's best former walk on, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, Poole also ended his career with the Razorbacks as the the team's all time leading tackler, and so he's going to be taking on that role as well as the defensive coordinator role for the Rebels. And even though they're, you know, they're losing, you know, some key pieces on defense as well. Like I, I honestly, I would have been excited to see what he might've been able to accomplish with Austin Ajiaki, for example. Definitely. But I do think that, you know, given his short track record and what he's been able to do, especially with, you know, his sort of primary specialty, which, you know, the linebacker position, you know, you think about Brennan Scott coming back from a knee injury that wiped out his 2022. You think about, you know, Fred Tompkins, who started to see more playing time in the in the second half of the year. Um, you know, it's not going to be the same kind of defense. Like they're they're obviously replacing players at every level, 
but it is going to be really interesting to see what he manages to do because I think you know both he and Marion together make for like a really enticing. I'm trying to think of the right word. Like I think that that tandem makes that program more attractive to recruits. Let's put it that way. And so I do think that you know it may make them more attractive to you know people who are looking for a home off the transport portal. Uh, and you know if they're looking to sort of finish strong with this the secondary signing period in a month or so, you know these guys have have plenty of bona fides, both Marion and Shear, to you know to to bring in a class that can you know not only compete and sort of open the competitive window for the next couple of years, but to bring in the caliber of athlete that might help them keep their competitive window open right now for twenty twenty three. I know I mentioned a couple of guys they lost, but if what he can do, what he did at in Arkansas and coming to UNLV for, we don't know the schedule and like that, obviously, because they're kind of, we're scrapping divisions, but there could be still mm-hmm. Western mountain rivalries contained, like obviously Nevada, UNLV, but that could play a difference as well. Like who do they get in scheduled? Do they get in Mexico? Do they get Utah State? Do they get Hawaii? Or like, depends. I would hope that game will play UNLV. Hawaii is great, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be an interesting thing what they may may do for schedule-wise. But main thing is get the best players, get the best talent. And if you can do it at Arkansas, like Arkansas was pretty bad under um who was it before? Um who they have? Oh geez, what's his name? Oh crap. Texas High School Chris. Yeah, before Chad Morris there, they weren't very they were very good. It got turned around pretty quickly on both sides of the ball down in Ar- with Arkansas. And so yeah, there was a couple, but defensive it wasn't all just KJ Jefferson, it was defense was leading a few ways as well, because I watched them when they played BYU and things like that this year, where they are improving on both sides of the ball, because you can't just outscore by an SEC, you got to play some defense. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a good move. So you have, they have a good sturdy thing in place with Marion there, now the new DC. Now it's just like kind of keeping guys from the portal. I believe the portal officially ends after the title game. Is that correct? I think on Tuesday? I forget the exact date, but I know it's very soon. It's either the night of or probably the night after, I'm guessing. So there's mm-hmm. that to consider if players can come back or if they sign these other locate locales or not, but they're on the right move. Like this stuff overall, I'm very excited about what's going on for you and be football. And if they could have kept a few other guys, it'd be even more exciting. But I think Brumfield's a big dude, big key there to keep a quarterback. And I'm assuming he's staying, assuming he'll be the starter. And so it'll just, everything, they just need some more work. They're pretty close, but we'll see who steps up and takes over the running back and receiving group who they lost. Yeah. All right, so what's the next? Uh, we need to what's the next hire here? Should we do the other hire? New Mexico brings in their DC. Well, they didn't necessarily bring him in; they elevated him from uh, from their safeties coach, uh, Troy Ruffett, yeah. new defensive coordinator out there, replacing Rocky Long. Yeah, he keeps it three three five going. I think that's a mm-hmm. pretty smart move, partially because when it happened, but like we mentioned last time, it's almost like finding a triple option coach to, on offense. Three three five is more relevant because. You see four two five three three five like we know TCU Gary Patterson's done it. You have Will Arnett out there who we know Rocky Long obviously Danny Gonzalez clearly what he's been around San Diego State runs it. Not many teams. So unless you're going to go still lay somebody from another program, that's kind of what I mentioned. Brendan Marion wasn't New Mexico not a good option just because Lobos say we people know they're not a great program. So who are you going to bring in for maybe a better program unless it's like a lower level like the safety coach from somewhere else? Why not? Have a guy from within who Danny Gonzalez trusts. And that's a mm-hmm. it's a smart move. 
it's not going to move the needle too much just because it's not like any sort of big name, which is not necessarily what they'd be getting. But it's a guy, it's familiar player familiarity, location familiarity, recruiting, style of play. Continuity is a big deal. And so it's a it's a solid hire. That's a yeah, not much and more he, than and that. He has good, a track record of, of of building solid defenses too, which I think is is just as important. Like this isn't his first time as a DC. He did the same job, you know, at UTEP, you know, 20 years ago at this point. Uh, but then <laughs> more re- but then more recently, you know, he was also the DC for the for these very same logos back in 2008 under Rocky Long. Um and then he held the same job at, at you know Louisiana Monroe, you know, helped turn that unit from a from a unit that was in the triple digits by defensive SP plus, you know, by the time he left, they were, I think, 78th overall in 2014. Um, and then he, he had a similar track record in the, in the couple of years, the three years that he was the defensive coordinator at North Texas as well, most recently, before he came back to Albuquerque in 2020. So like he's been on staff, he knows the system, obviously. If he knows what Danny Gonzalez wants to try to accomplish. And so I do think that, you know, sort of, maintaining continuity is going to be one of those things that that could pay dividends in the long run. Yeah. I think that's what they're looking for here. And so I think knowing the three, three, five and continuity is the biggest thing with that. That's about, he has experience too. He's 55. So he's been around quite a bit. Like you mentioned, having been DC at certain locations to pass throughout his career, but looking at like portal here, they're losing a lot of you guys. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Or, or graduation, like Jerick Reed graduated completely. Cody moon, San Diego State, AJ Hawkley, Houston. You have Rico Hanna eligibility out. OJ Adams, Portal, Destination Unknown. So potentially he could come back. Same with Ronald Wilson. And it's about it all I see here from a list ABQ Journal put out. But it, I think it's it's a fine move. It's it's what they need the most to get it somebody else who knows this system. Kind of hard. And at this time, the, the cycle and with level of team, this Lobos team, this that's a weird way to say it, but it's, it's a, it's out of all the options they have, which I clearly, we clearly don't know. This is a fine move and it's yeah. nothing. It's not great. It's not disappointing. It's what they probably need to do the most. Yeah. Just kind of keep have a steady hand on the wheel. Right. All right. So, Oh, did you see who, where Derek Warham ended up at? Uh, didn't he end up at coastal Carolina? If I'm not mistaken. He did. Oh, I just saw your offensive line coach hanging out with yeah. Beck there in the in Myrtle Beach. Not a bad spot to hang out and be a coach, I guess. That's true. I mean, you get to you know you get to coach Grayson McCall in some capacity. That's a pretty good work if you can get it. He's transferred, I think. He hasn't. No, he transferred. No, no, no. I thought he, he. I thought he decided to come back. Oh, oh, did I miss something? Oh well. I thought that was like a week well, or two look, ago. Did I miss? I thought he's going to Liberty or something. I think he thought about going coach. to the transfer portal and decided to change his mind. I'm checking on the fly because I don't want this to be a major stuff. Lots, well, while lots you do that, while you do that, I can transition towards talking about the one coordinator job that's exactly. still open for the moment. Who's that? Because Fresno State offensive coordinator Kirby Moore hired at Mizzou as part of Ryan Walters's. Uh, no, wait. Ryan Walters is at Purdue. Excuse me. Um, who is the? <laughs> trying to remember who the the head coach at Mizzou is at this point. It's still Eli Drinkwitz. Yes. Okay. Yes. McCall did a week ago withdrew his name to stay with Tim Beck. So there's that's good for them. Okay. Yeah. Eli Drinkwitz is still there in um in Columbia. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally spaced that Walter. I was thinking because Walters was the former defensive coordinator for the, for the Tigers. So my apologies. But your but, OC of Fresno is joining him. Yeah. Which, you know, on, on, on its face, do you, and I know you asked me this off the air, but do you think it's a big deal? Um, yeah, because they lose their quarterback. Jake Hayner's going on. Logan Fife didn't look all that great. And Kirby Moore has been around with, um, wasn't he, didn't he stay without, wasn't he initially going to go with, um, oh, geez, up in Washington? Wasn't that the case? Uh, are you talking about Kaelin Moore? Yeah, wasn't he going to follow him along there, but decided to stay? I don't recall the the dynamics of that. But I think it's a pretty big loss because he's been around with the boy. He's been around you know, with Tedford. He's been around. I think he's getting why the getting's good because go when you're NFL quarterback, pot potential NFL running back, and receivers are all gone. Like how would his job prospects look next year with the team, which I'm assuming would take a drastic step back based on what they have, but losing that much talent, which any team would outside of like a top program that can reload every every second it seems like every other offseason mm-hmm. so i think he's getting out why it's good but it's also a weird job to go to missouri in the sec where they're not known for offenses but it's going to be a pretty big pay increase and more of a challenge well, yes and no i mean they did they did have drew Locke and jeremy macklin for a time i know but missouri's offense isn't amazing Chase no, Daniel, I mean, not, not recently but they, they got a little bit of a track record out there in columbia they do Sure, but also what, what look what Tedford does. I don't know. I felt it's. I'm not saying he's going just for money. But I just think it's a. Uh, it's a unique. I wouldn't blame move. him if he went just for money. <laughs> oh no, I wouldn't either. But I'd say it's like a. It is an upgraded move. You go to the best conference of college football. We're going to like team number ten or fourteen in that conference. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you yeah, get that on, it'll be great because this last year they were points per game. They were tenth in the conference. I'm looking at some other stuff here. Sorry, continue. I'll, I'll pull up a better number than that. No, I mean, I, I think the only reason I would sort of I disagree at least a little bit that it's like a tremendous deal is because one, like, as you mentioned, like, yeah, yeah, it is the, sort of the end of a, a little era in Fresno you know, with Hayner, you know, graduating and, and Cropper moving on to the NFL and, and a whole bunch of other guys entering the transfer portal. But at the same time, it's very easy to envision Tedford, you know, doing what he did when he elevated more to the OC job in the first place, which is to oh, yeah. promote from within. Because mm-hmm. let's not forget. You know, bef- Do we know? Before, I would imagine that that is probably plan A. I mean, the, the, you know, over the last couple of years, they since Tedford came back on board, they've definitely tried to emphasize finding position coaches and, co- and coordinators with, you know, attachments to the program. Um which which sort of made more an exception when you think about it because you know he played at Boise State, was a GA at Washington, and then came to the Bulldogs as a wide receivers coach first and foremost. And so you know there's definitely been some flexibility in that sort of priority, but I do think at the same time you know there's at least one candidate that's on staff right now that seems like someone who would get a long look, and that's Pat McCann, who okay. coincidentally had replaced more as the wide receivers coach. But I do think like it's worth giving him a little bit of a longer look because he has been an offensive coordinator before, you know, most recently at Eastern Washington where, you know, we were just talking about uh, UNLV a few minutes ago. Uh, You know, you may recall uh, at the beginning of the 2021 season when the Eagles 
beat the Rebels in Las Vegas in the opener. Do you remember yeah. that? I do. Um, yeah, that, I was, look that was McCann's offense. There you go. So you may re- you may recall discussions that we've had about uh, Eric Barrier, who was the former EWU quarterback, uh, who was the player of the year in 2021. He was the interim offensive coordinator that year, McCann was. And he was the passing then- game coordinator and a wide receivers coach before that. And so I do think that, you know, while obviously the Bulldogs are going to go and do their due diligence – that given McCann's track record, I'd be, I, I would have to think if nothing else, that he is probably a very strong front runner just to get her, to earn a promotion. That makes sense. And also like Eastern Washington's known for good offenses. Exactly. Like they're like fast, open, wide open, which similar would fit Tedford style of passing yeah. a lot with other quarterbacks. He had at Cal and Fresno with, with Carr, and then also now Hainer. So. Yeah, and and interestingly enough, like if he does make that coordinator job, that would make two former Eastern Washington OCs mm-hmm. in the Mountain West between McCann and and you may recall um, Ian Shoemaker at Hawaii. Oh yes, that's right. So obviously, we'll sort of wait and see what happens with that. But I would I would definitely keep my eye on McCann if nothing else. Excellent. So I want to point something out here. I'm going to back to the Brendan Marion real quick, just because we're, okay. or is there any other, any, any other coaching stuff we need to get to, or is that pretty much it? I believe that's about it for right now. Okay. So I went to our, our compadres with USAT over at Long, Longhorns Wire. They're mm-hmm. like, Hey, what's the reaction to Brendan Marion? There's a lot of WTS and question marks for him leaving Texas for that job. Just saying like a lot of the uh, question emoji rubbing your chin, essentially. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's that big. I think they're overstating just because it's UNLV. Yeah, probably. I saw just reading through some of these comments are funny. And <laughs> did hiring Bobby Butrino just get better since it's now hurt tech hurt directly Texas? Oh my gosh. Aggie fans are hilarious. Um you have a good you have a good staff if they're being pulled away for promotions. Like, okay, dude, come on. I just love I just love reading some of this. At least some people are smart. Tough loss for Texas. But nobody expect their Marion to be at Texas for long. Dude should have been mm-hmm. the OC at Pitt, but Narduzzi is a Narduzzi is a doofus. That is one hundred per correct, one hundred percent correct. Because <laughs> Narduzzi hates offense, guys. Like, why do you think Jordan Addison transferred there to go to USC? Why do you think? Um, I don't know who their OC was recently, but it got like I mentioned more pissy about the loss because you're dumb, Narduzzi. So, should we do a quick um, national title game team to pick root for just because that's what everybody's doing this time of year because the game's Monday night? Well, is, isn't care? everybody rooting for TCU anyway? At least half the country is, as we should as well I mean, as a former Mountain West program. <laughs> I, could, yeah, I going- would imagine. I mean, I know there's at least one state that's rooting for Georgia. Um, Georgia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some random but I, I mean, people, I don't know. Right? I mean, it's, 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 it's a very cool underdog story that we haven't really seen since – Ever BYU, honestly, it's BYU. If they win, this is the biggest national title upset since BYU won it in '84. Not even close. Bigger than Colorado in uh, 1990. Colorado's a power conference team. BYU is not. Uh, no, yeah, okay. Like Colorado, yeah, Colorado's a power team. Okay, that's it's close. That you're you're probably in the ballpark. That's probably a good one. But Colorado's also <clears> really good. They had a Heisman Trophy winner. I guess TC has a runner up in Max Duggan. But like outside of like going back to Minnesota or random Ivy League schools when they're kind of being phased out from FBS at the high level, there's nothing in that area where it's like 
this is like people know about Leicester City, whatever. This is some and that's it was EPL a couple years ago where they're mm-hmm. extreme long shots. That's where this lies. And I know it's about two touchdown underdog, which is way too much. I think that's a lot because we all saw the Michigan TCU game, which most people did. Their defense yeah. is amazing. They get pick six. They throw to the one thing about Georgia, real quick, just I don't know how much you watch. I've watched a bit here and there, but we stick to our Mountain West stuff, but I'll watch them occasionally. They can be taught thrown on deep and TCU throws. Max Duggan throws to like a million different players. He's not throwing to just one dude. And that's where I think there could potential how TCU could upset if the defense does it. Like getting into it against Michigan, throwing to a million receivers. And Georgia doesn't like to go up against fast paced offenses. So I'm wondering if that's an issue too for them. So I just want to see TCU. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't think, I don't think they're going to win, but it'll be fun. Attack that secondary is not very good. Or at least yeah, admittedly, I haven't really watched a ton of Georgia or TCU, just and that's mostly because I'm a group of five sicko. Exactly um, same. But I'm I'm really interested to see how Georgia manages Quentin Johnston, the TCU wide receiver in particular. Mm-hmm. Be very good because you know his ability to get loose and in, in it was a really big factor in both the Big Twelve championship game and in the college football semifinal against the Wolverines. You know, the last two games, he has like almost 300 yards receiving on just 10 catches. It's pretty good. Not bad. That is pretty good. <laughs> like I also he, think he can a... break the game wide open and, and, and give TCU some breathing room that they're probably going to need. I do think also one of the one injuries wise, they're running back. Um, what's his name? Ken... Oh, shoot. Um, oh, see, I had it right in front of me. I had a name because I had our good buddy Parker Fleming on my radio show last week. I try to remember. Kendra Miller, I want to say Conjure is on it. He's potential knee injury from the Fiesta Bowl, but mm-hmm. we'll see if he can play. If he doesn't play, it's no chance because he's pretty good. Because uh, the defense, um, they're going to play in the past couple of games, looking at uh, Georgia. Um, 3.2 yards per carry against the, against the Bulldog rushing defense, but also they gave up against LSU, who's not that great. I know they they thought Purdue, five hundred yards and three touchdowns. So I think Max Duggan could have a huge game. Hmm. Also, the over under sixty four and a half mats. It's going up. Take the under, buddy. Just saying. <laughs> there's no way. You take the under. One hundred percent. Yes, I have full okay. hard cash on the under. Just saying. I think they're inflated because of the semifinals games, man. I'm. I, hmm. You tell me this could be a forty to thirty game. Honestly, that wouldn't shock me. I think it might be – I think there'll be points, but I think it'll be like low 30s, high 20s. That's where I think it's going to come out to be. Bacon, George, so you think it's going to be pretty close then? Yeah, I think TCU's going to keep it close. So 12 points, I yeah, I think it'll be within 10 points. I think I, I think 30 to 20 would not be surprising. Okay. What about you? What do you kind of think how the score – Painting out. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I do think that I do think that Georgia's probably going to go back to back. I just think that there's, uh, especially on defense, probably a little more talent to go around for the Bulldogs than there is for the Frogs. Um, so, uh, like, while I would like to see a former Mountain West team win a national championship, I do think Georgia's probably going to win somewhere, probably like 34-24, something like that. Okay. Fair to say. It's good. Um, one last thing. I forgot to bring this up. 16-team college football play is going to happen, right? Is that the plan? Are you in favor if that goes through? <laughs> we can wrap up on this. Yeah, I'm way. down. The, the more football, the better. One question. What do you think the format would be? Just real quick. We don't need to dive too deep into it. We can do this later. I'm going to put some articles up. But 
Are you a all conference champs get in six at large? I've always been an all conference champ should get in. That's like same the same as it is for the basketball tournament. Okay. I think I'm a fan of that, but I don't think that'll be the case. If my real my real quick thing would be if it's not that, which I think is more fair, just because if you're letting the people in, and with the NCAA transformation committee saying they want more teams in the postseason in every sport, this could play a factor. But I'm thinking they'll probably keep the same format. Top six conference champs get in. Maybe top seven would be nice. So you get like a Sun Belt or another team in there as well, conference, because there's 10 conferences. I would be, I'd be okay with that. Top seven, that'd be kind of in between what we're, what we really want with every conference champion represented, represented, because Troy could do good things, Coastal could do things. You have like even Conference USA, like there's some teams in there, depending on how that how that league shakes out eventually. But I think seven would be fair because you still have nine or nine at large teams that are really good. Like, do you want, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Ohio play play against the number two C or whatever overall. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that they, would be. I mean, the, the six, the sixteen seed in the basketball tournament is always a conference champion. Yeah. So so and, so maybe maybe whoever emerges from you know the 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 corpse that we know as Conference USA is just you know the the Mount Saint Marys of of the tournament yeah. every single year, but you still give them a shot. Yeah, either do that. Maybe even I don't know if they mix in buys because maybe top four still get a buy. So it's not 16-1, it's 16-5. I believe that would be yeah. the right spot. Like that would give them a little because if you're playing a 15, I know this year would have been weird because conference champions of like Utah and Clemson would have got a buy, which would, would have been weird in the 12 team playoff format. But if you're playing the fifth team of the country, which who is that right now? I don't even know. Who is what USC? Were they five? Or uh, Alabama, maybe? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Alabama beat up Kansas State pretty good. That'd be interesting. I, I think it'll be I think. It's a natural way to go. Even the 12, here's the thing real quick before people, we move on because we're not going to spend a ton of time, even though we could have the 12 team playoffs only two years, Matt. It's only a two year thing at the moment. Cause we have this game on Monday. Next year is the similar set four team. And then the next two is 12 team. And then it goes to the market and stuff like that, where they may wait to see how the 12 team playoff goes, which people like, I would think would watch. And then maybe 16, is the next gradual step for like a 10 year thing. It's also funny to see, see Bill Hancock who Matt, he's always, he's a, he's the punchy bag, the mouthpiece. He's always says the system is what it is until it's not right. Yeah. <laughs> and so more football, I think 16 would be a max, but I would like to see every conference champion or at least maybe do top seven yeah. because it's odds that being like, wouldn't it have been, what was that first bowl game? Was it Troy versus um, who was it? Do you recall the very first bowl game? There are two I about, uh, Troy versus UTSA. Yeah, weren't they both conference champions? Or was yes, UTSA they were. Ever? So, like, you'd have one of those teams. They, I think that would have been number seven because no Mountain West team champion was ranked Fresno, wasn't it? I don't think they were correct. Mm-hmm. No. And so you'd have that team that gives they give somebody a challenge. So that's my thoughts. I think that'd be fun, right? More football, exactly, and more more equitable football. It's one more team. Or Matt, we could mention it could be the future whack A Sun seventh team conference champion where you can see Utah Tech making a playoff run because they're gonna try to jump to FPS pretty soon. <laughs> I will end on that random note for a St. George Utah team making the playoff. Not gonna happen anytime soon, but we'll see. Who knows, right? That A Sun whack That's right. You never know. TCU can do it. Anybody can. Yeah, exactly. So we'll wrap up with this. MWR.com. We'll be back. 
I think our next show, Matt, we'll, we'll do it on the fly. I think should we go back and look at predictions and stuff we screwed up on or got right? Is that a good way to do it? Maybe next week sometime. Yeah, we can do that. Maybe we'll revisit our top fifty a little bit. Some predictions oh, from us. They're <laughs> <laughs> just saying, why not? Right? <laughs> Maybe at the whole fifty, we'll go through and go through a few lists. Oh, also, people on Tuesday morning, I believe we're gonna have our. You need to fill this out, Matt. Our early top 20, 2023 power rankings, which are gonna be completely wrong. So we're gonna have. Oh, to I already, I already did. Excellent. And I made an error thought George Tony was not back. He's back. So I need to adjust my ballot, maybe one spot or two. So we'll see how that goes. But we'll be back off season. We'll be back at least once a week. We have, we'll probably do a little signing day stuff, transfer stuff. We'll play some games. We'll have some just stuff. We'll have some fun stuff going on. So you have ideas also, MWCUR on Twitter. Let us know if you want something interesting for us to do. If you want want some ideas here, we're, all, we're always open to that, Matt. And we'll be back uh, probably. I won't say a date of how when we'll be back, but typically once a week, so probably Monday mornings, most likely we'll be doing this. You'll be hearing us on your podcast feed. So we'll see you next time, folks.